Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to the Movement is Medicine podcast. This is episode number two. And in this episode, Brendan and I spent a lot of time talking about what goes into making an amazing experience for a personal training client when they come into your facility. And really, we wanted to touch on the human element of being a personal trainer or being a strength and conditioning coach. And that kind of led us into talking about, you know, more and more as technology is moving into the fitness sector with things like Peloton or things like um, Tonal or all these other online-based fitness training models, what gives the in-person personal trainer at the brick-and-mortar facility an edge is the human element. And we really wanted to dive into that topic um, so we could really touch on what is going to allow the regular old brick-and-mortar personal trainer to have a sustainable career as technology is, be- is getting further and further into this space. And so I really think you'll like this episode. It's about an hour long, and uh, thanks for tuning in. Well, you know, we can do this again. I thought we did a great job the other day, and, you know, we're going to knock it out of the park today. Let's do it. <laughs> we live and we learn, right? Um, Second take, episode exactly. two. We'll, we'll keep learning as we go along. We'll be fine. Yeah. So, all right, everybody. Well, welcome to episode number two of the Movement as Medicine podcast with myself, Kevin Carr, and my amazing co-host, Brendan Rierick, coming all the way from California. Here here I am. I appreciate the adjectives (laughs) because the first time I was lovely, and then the second time we tried this, I was wonderful, and today I'm amazing. So... Keep working on you those. Just keep adjectives. getting better each time. Every every time, I want a new one. Well, um, the first episode seemed to be well received. Uh, people seemed to enjoy. It. We saw some reposts. We got some good feedback. So, I guess we'll keep doing this for at least another week here. Um, <laughs> and we're planning to release these every Wednesday. So, uh, this is Monday on our take two recording of episode two. So you'll be hearing this um, just a couple days from now uh, on Wednesday morning. Just just and so everyone knows, we we did this episode on Sunday morning already, and for some reason it only recorded Kevin's computer and his answers and recorded nothing of mine. And I don't know if that was on purpose, uh, but it, that <laughs> means we're here for take two. So that's why we keep referencing to, we've already done this podcast and we're doing it again for all of you. Well, the the nice part thing was that on Sunday we were drinking coffee. This is true. Um, now we get because we're reasonably productive humans, but this is a Monday night, so we're having beers. So <laughs> maybe it'll be a little more entertaining. But um, in episode one, we talked all about you know obviously the orthopedic cost stuff with Mike, and then we kind of led that into social media um, and kind of developing yourself as a coach and getting sucked into the social media. Um, kind of uh, endless hole of uh, of a disaster that it can be. But what we kind of want to talk about today was stemming off. I kind of got this idea based off my conversation with your wife, Jenny, a couple weeks ago, the idea of creating an, an amazing experience for um, your clients from beginning to end. And this kind of came from the conversation we had in our happy hour talk a couple weeks back, um, referencing the idea of the lifeguard hack. And we were having the conversation Um, really um, talking about coaches being introverts or extroverts. And Jenny had a really good comment where she said, it's not just an intrinsic character trait, it's a skill. The ability to be extroverted and to be social as a coach, although you might naturally be a little more introverted, is really a skill to learn how to be an extrovert. To be a great coach, you have to have some of that extroversion in you because it's a performance. Um, 
And that led me to talking with our staff this past week about, you know, how can we make every client from the second they come in the door or even before that to the time that they leave and in between sessions, how can we make their entire experience at Mike Bull Strength and Conditioning an amazing experience? Um, and us kind of brainstorming all the different things that we could do to really over deliver to all the clients that come in. And that was kind of timely um, as this is about the one year anniversary of an article you wrote about a year ago um, titled, um, I'm a personal trainer and this is why I'm not scared about Peloton or any of these online uh, training platforms taking my job. And it really speaks to the human experience that comes from coaching that really can't be captured through an internet platform or through an online coach. And we thought this would really make a great conversation for us to have for other coaches to listen to um, about, you know, how to really continue to compete against the growing online platforms that are out there um, and how we have a distinct advantage still being in-person personal trainers and strength and conditioning coaches um, due to the human element. The, the fact that the consumer has a choice of where they're going to spend their money, correct? Means you can be as great as you can be. You can be incredible. You can have a PhD in programming and exercise selection, but if somebody doesn't want to spend an hour with you, they're going to take their money elsewhere. So the because the consumer, it's a service business, it, it doesn't matter how, how good you are with a pen and pencil and a spreadsheet. You got to connect with the human being in front of you in order to get them to continue to want to go and enjoy themselves and train with you. And that was a big thing for me. So the reason why I wrote this article is because I was hearing from so many trainers due to COVID, we, we had to pivot, we, we had to a lot of us had to go online for a little while, which most of us were not comfortable with and still aren't comfortable with, but we had to do it. And silver lining is that there is some value to being able to train online and this hybrid approach. Um, some people have taken it as far as to that's the only thing they do now, uh, but there's still a handful of us, a big handful of us who don't want to sit on Zoom for a living. And I get it, I don't either. And I wrote this article to say, listen, I know right now it might seem like this is all we got and we're gonna be stuck in this virtual world. And I mean, if we were stuck in this, if we only had virtual, I might go to another profession. Honestly, I might move on and, <laughs> and do something else if I can't do it in person. Now, I still have a few clients online. I don't mind it, but it's not what I wanna be doing 12 hours a day. You said you had 13 clients today. I couldn't train 13 clients online. I can do it in person, never, but never. I, I, I couldn't do it online. And so the article I wrote, as you mentioned, was I'm a personal trainer and I'm not afraid of Peloton. I'm not afraid of the mirror. I'm not afraid of uh, tonal. I'm not afraid of any of these apps, the future app, the Nike fitness app. They are not going to replace three things. Those three things are connection, instruction, and modifications. Okay, so the apps, Peloton probably does the best in all three. They create a mm -hmm. little bit of a community. They have a little bit of instruction. What they lack is the ability to modify, right? So the, the most important thing that we do 
in a profession is modify intra-session during the session. Like, oh, that doesn't look good. Let's try this. When you're watching a video, you're watching an app, you, the app doesn't adjust for you. It's just you're watching a video and you either can or can't do it. Now, there's, it's all well and good. I am all for people exercising. I want people doing this stuff on their their free time when they're not with me. Like that, the more the better. More is not always better, but the more we can get people moving, the better at, at this point. And <clears throat> the the connection piece of this is we we human beings. Everyone felt this. So it, the first the, the two biggest industries that got hit were restaurants and the fitness industry because those are where you make your best human connections. You go and grab a cup of coffee. You go and grab uh, a beer with somebody like we are right now, unfortunately online, but hopefully in person again <laughs> soon. But the that, that connection is not going away. And if anything, people crave it more now, which means we're gonna be even more sought after, especially these smaller uh, boutique community type gyms more so than the big box gyms okay so the big big box gym you're mm -hmm. re you're effectively renting space you're going to rent the equipment i'm talking about where you come in and everybody knows your name i i love the reference of uh the the tv show cheers why does everyone go to that bar like because everybody wants to go where somebody knows their name and that's what gyms. that's why i go to lord hobo that's why you go to lord hobo they know like, kevin carr's pictures on the wall uh, that's a true statement. I won't tell you why you could, if you know, Kevin, you know why, uh, but this is why, uh, people will, they, they've replaced or they, they've tried to find that sense of community and it's turned into gyms, uh, community like rec leagues and restaurants and bars and then cafes cafes have exploded basically any place with wi-fi is a community mm -hmm. spot for these for people because 200 years ago maybe even 150 years ago it used to be your neighbors your church and wherever you worked and everybody worked in the same place in town because it was a factory so now that we're modernizing we that stuff has gone to the wayside People don't hang out with their neighbors as much anymore. We we live in this, it's getting scary to me, this virtual world. Um, we crave that connection. When we touch another human being, oxytocin is released. You can't get oxytocin release on a video camera. You need that human touch. You need that human interaction. So connection. Well, you think about like when we were locked down, right? So let's stick on the connection piece for a second. Yeah. Like, like it was all cool during like the Joe exotic phase of quarantine with COVID <laughs> everyone. It was like kind of a fun, cool time, yeah. right? Like, yeah, you know, I can drink on weeknights and like we're watching this stuff on Netflix and you know, two weeks to stop the spread and then I'll be back to work. Right. But fast forward months and years of disconnected living, right? Where you're communicating to your coworkers, your clients, your friends and family all through a computer screen. Um, and you don't have that third place, right? You talk about like cheers right. and like when Starbucks first came out they wanted to be the third place, your home, your workplace and Starbucks. Well, like your idea for a gym should be, that should be your third place that you go to, mm -hmm. right? Like you're, you go to work, you go home and you work out 
Well, most so people don't even go to work anymore. Com- it's at home. No. Right? And they yeah, shop. And so like, Everybody again, shops online, too, now. Nobody goes to stores. So it's even more important. I saw an article in the newspaper the, the other day that said, is like the after work drinks a thing of the past. Oh, that's scary. Right? Me. Like you I go out with not. your friends after the office and, and go have beers. Mm-hmm. And, and, and people aren't doing that anymore because they're at their home house. Right? And so, but now you're seeing this huge increase of both kids and adults with anxiety, depression, socialization issues, mainly because one, the technology has already taken kids away from socialization. If you've talked to any children uh, or teens or younger, yep. they have a hard time sometimes having a face-to-face conversation. You, you mean you mean uh, have, with if another you've, person? If you've texted any children or snapped to them? <laughs> yeah, right? so yeah. like they're not as comfortable with one-on-one conversation because the medium in which the way that these younger individuals communicate now is mainly through text or snapchats or pictures or through the internet mm-hmm. and not in person and that was magnified tenfold over the last couple of years and forced upon some people that probably were not comfortable in changing that medium and so i think that um while you saw a lot of these online options increase and like peloton went through the roof they went public like right before covid really blew up um uh, it was all that stuff was really big, and then now you've seen a, a pretty sharp decline. Obviously, of Peloton, that's the thing that most people have kept an eye on if they own any stock, ha- has really plummeted. And like I said, it's not just because the guy in Sex in the City died on the bike; it's really because I think people aren't ha- don't have the connection, right? Mm-hmm. And they do have a little bit. They they the instructors one the instructors are kind of like celebrities, so people there's kind of a novelty effect there. Um, but then like, they might call you up to be like, yeah, Brendan, I see your RPMs are really high. That's great. But they don't know about your kids. They don't know about your day-to-day life. Like the conversations that you or I have with a client on a daily basis are much deeper. Trust me, uh, probably to the point where there's some things you don't want to know, um, <laughs> yes. uh, on a daily basis, but they come to you because I think very many of the people that come to train in a personal training or group setting come, um, most for the most part because they want to have a conversation with someone else right like how many people do you think that these individuals have like an hour-long continued conversation about their life with on a daily basis away from away from their phone away from the the their stressors away from work there's no phone in sight right yeah you and their significant other right like you really become like the most significant other person in that person's life they like i don't besides my wife and I guess you, there's no one that I have an hour long interrupted conversation with on a weekly basis, right. uh, other than, you know, really my clients. Um, so there's not that exchange that it can be really occur in any other way. And even through a computer screen, it gets abbreviated or there's some connection that's lost, um, mainly because it's kind of like the camera's off to the side and you're like, all right, yeah, do that split squat. And then you're like, they're kind of doing it. It's like harder to have that conversation yeah. through a Zoom I, screen or through an I app. can be about 80% effective. So, again, silver linings. Like, I thought I could be zero. I thought I'd be 0% effective online. I can be about 80% effective. But, again, it, I can't make the same modifications. I can't make the same connection. And I can't give the same instruction that I can in person. So I'm missing that 20%. And if... This talk is about how to create an, ama- an amazing experience. I I want that extra 20% to make that experience 
amazing. Um, mm-hmm. And so maybe we go through like how like what what are the big things right that somebody start to finish when they when they contact when they contact the gym. I think the first thing for an amazing experience is to reply quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't tell you the number of times I've contacted a business and I don't hear back from them in six, seven, eight days. So think about what you would want when you contact, you try to get someone to come paint your house. You try to get a plumber on the phone. You try to try to buy something or make a return on something, right? What do you want? You want, okay, yeah, I get it. Sometimes you leave a voicemail, but it doesn't have to be immediately, but I, in 24 hours, you should hear a response. So when that person... Yeah, you already have a bad taste in your mouth. If they haven't gone well, back to you, you're and, like, I'm trying to give you my money. Exactly. I'm try- I want to give you my money. And every, <laughs> every day that goes by, their motivation starts to wane a little bit. Or somebody mm-hmm. else has jumped in and taken that sale or taken that client because you didn't have you, the, the timeliness to connect with them or to call them or to even mess- yeah, even, it- even email or text them like... It, it the, the it's very very simple now <laughs> to stay yeah connected um so that might be what and, the first place so to start if you think about when you're competing against these large corporations like Peloton or whatever the Nike training app and the benefit that they have from a consumer standpoint is that it's much easier to sign up right we're a small business at Mike Boyle Strength and Conditioning they call the office they send an email they dm us or it's one of those mediums usually they're calling or emailing or maybe just walking in the door right. whereas if i want to sign up for peloton i go on there i sign up i fill everything on the line i don't have to talk to another human it's on me there's no customer service component hmm. other than the bike getting delivered to my house right or the nike training app you downloading the app and, and doing it right so it's 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 drives home the point how important it is from the initial customer service interaction mm-hmm to do a really, really good job. And so like, again, I, I talked about um, with our staff, like from from the second they come in the door before we wanna give it, give them a great experience. So if you, I, one thing that I'm always on our coaches about is like we get these personal training request forms. It's either people calling or emailing um, saying, hey, I'd like to personal train and Bob or Carrie and fill it out and give it to a coach and say, it has their other con- the person's contact info, any information that they got during the call about them. Um, hey, their their kid is a soccer player, wants to train twice a week in the afternoons on these days, whatever, all the basic info. And I would say, I need you to get in touch with them today. Yeah. Call them. If they don't answer, leave a message. Mm-hmm. If you don't get a hold of them, here's their email. Also send them an email. If you don't hear back from them the next day, follow back up. You have to think of yourself as a salesperson. And like, again, they're going to walk or drive by 20 other gyms by the time that you talk to them next, mm. right? And like you said, their motivation wanes or their interest changes. And the, so the number one thing you can do, I, I always talk about my client who owns a painting business. I said like, hey, he's got a stranglehold on the local community. Monopoly. Like, no exaggeration. Monopoly is the word. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Every single house in the town where we are for the gym in Winchester and Woburn has a Nick's painting sign in the front yard. <laughs> Like the majority. And then what he said to me, he goes, the number one thing I do is I call people back. Yeah. <laughs> He's a very old school guy, but I'll tell you, like everyone will tell you, oh, he'll, he'll get back to you. 
every single time. And right now we try to get a contract here. I was, that might not be the case. <laughs> and, or I said, listen, if there's a, if there's a client who cold walks in, which happens to us more than you would think mm-hmm. walks in the front of the gym and is just standing there like this, that's a lead. Go up there and go up and say, Hey, my name's Kevin. Um, can I help you? Are you here to see John? Do you have an appointment? Do you have any questions? Take that 30 seconds. I can't tell you how many times that led to a client. Or led to someone signing up in a group because they just walked in and someone was right there to say hello to them. And even if it doesn't become a client. You need to kind of be a part of that. Even if it doesn't Mm -hmm. become a client for you, it becomes everyone's job. It's every single person's job in the gym to help that individual. Whoever's – say, hey – how can I help you? What's what? It's not just the person who works at the office, the person that works at the front desk. It is everyone's job because everybody benefits from that interaction. So, for example, it's not my clients are not just my clients; they're everybody's clients. Because if I go on vacation, I need people to help me out. I'm friend. I'm very friendly with. Well, use you and I for example when we work together. I would say hi to all of your clients, and some of your clients are some of my best friends, and I don't even train them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> but again, we're making those connections and it becomes this community type gym and it becomes everybody's responsibility to do customer service, to be the janitor, to make connections, to help people out. Like, it's not just like, I mean, you are your own, you are your own business. Okay. So you are responsible for your own problems, your your own clients, you're responsible for making those phone calls and keeping people almost for your own retention, okay? Then there's this overarching place that you work. So you have two responsibilities. You have the responsibility to yourself. You are your own business, and then you are part of the business that you work for. So if you do better and you get so busy that you can then give me people when you can't take any more on, we all win. Everybody wins when the whole entire gym, it's the rising tide, raises all ships. Everybody improves when it becomes everybody's responsibility to yep. to communicate yep. with those clients, especially at the beginning. Yeah, and it, it brings me to that idea of um, it's the Ritz-Carlton, the 510 rule. Mm. Um, and I read, I, I think it was, I don't remember which book it was. I think it I think it was uh, one of the Sean Aker books, like uh, 10% Happier or whatever one of those ones were. Um, and they talk about the Ritz-Carlton. They have a rule called the 10-5 rule. And if you're within 10 feet of a guest, you always just acknowledge them and say hello. And if you're within five feet, you introduce yourself, ask their name if you don't already know it. And you ask them if there's anything that you can do for them. Even if you're a janitor, if you're the host, if you're the manager, if you're the owner, everyone has to do that. And they credit a lot of their success um, to that customer service rule. And we, I always talk to the interns and the younger staff. I said, you might not know everyone here, just like I don't know everyone here. But if you walk by someone, that person is your responsibility. Even if it's like, hey, I'm walking to another client. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to do this. Just say hello. Uh, because it, you might think like they, they it, lot, my experience is when someone seems cold, like a client who you don't know, and you're like, I don't know if they seem friendly. They have like, maybe they have resting bitch face or they seem like they're like kind of, not kind of closed in my experiences. When you say hello to them, everything changes, mm-hmm. right? That person who seems like they're closed off, it's like, Oh, hello. And I'm always like, Oh, well, yeah, they're actually probably a lot friendlier than I realized. And it's usually because they're nervous about the situation. And so uh, what I talked about before was, um, I covered a group 
for Chad because he was away last week and I covered an adult group at night and I'm never usually there for like the 6.45 p.m. adult group. Um, and so there's some people I know who are longtime clients, but there was a real good handful of people who were newer who I didn't really know, mainly just because I'm not there at that time. And I spent the first like 15 minutes, 20 minutes almost of that group. Yeah, I coached and gave instruction, but my main focus was, you know, checking the temperature, right? Mm -hmm. Going up and down the line, introducing myself, finding out about them, asking them questions, getting to know the people who were in the group, and then reacquainting myself to some of the people I knew who I might not have seen for a while because I'm not normally there. And it made it infinitely easier for me to coach. And it made it way easier for them to accept my coaching because I wasn't just some random like asshole telling them to get their chest up or to keep their heels down or something like that, right? They had some sort of connection with me. Um, and then tonight, it was funny, I was actually there a little bit later and I saw a couple of those people who I just met last week and they were like, hey, Kevin, how are you? And like, that is a positive experience in their mind at the gym, uh-huh. right? Yeah. They're like someone else I know when I met there. It's another um, thing keeping them there and retaining them because if they feel like they're a part of community, it's much harder to leave. The bar of what's going to get them to be like, hey, I don't want to come here anymore gets raised a little bit higher because they have another connection and they feel more drawn to their experience in the gym. And um, so those little inputs, like you said, it's everybody's job really makes a huge difference in, in, in keeping people uh, at the facility. I, I, I know the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, gets <laughs> thrown around a lot and a lot of people are sick of hearing about it. And the book has almost become a complete cliche. Uh, and the funny part about cliches, though, is the reason why they're cliches is because they're true, right? That how to win friends and influence people is a thing. And as you and Jenny talked about, it is a skill. Like, you can get better at this mm-hmm. stuff. I remember I used to be that person. I suck at remembering names. I just can't remember names. I don't even – I'm not even going to try to remember. No, it is an active – it's like active listening. You can actively – my whole thing was when I would when I would meet somebody – the first thing I would do is say, oh, Kevin, great to meet you. Kevin, can you tell me how you feel after last workout? Right? And then I use, your senti- I use your name in a sentence again. So it's I repeat your name back to you. I use your name in a sentence. And then I ask you something using your name. So I, there's three snapshots. And I know your, your thing is, is to have a little book in the beginning when you work <laughs> with a group. You have a book where you write down like Johnny with blue hat and Susie mm-hmm. with red pants, like, or like Susie, softball player, uh, 13 years old, goes to Winchester High, right? So yeah, it's, again, and that's what how, how to win friends and influence people starts is everybody's name is the most important sound in the entire world. That's what we're talking about. That's creating mm-hmm. an amazing customer experience. It has nothing to do with it's the quote, right? They people care about how much you know. They care. They care more about. Ah, uh, no, I'm messing it up. People don't care how much you know, yes. so they know how much you care. And then they care about. <laughs> and then they care about how much you know, right? So you can't exactly. Be, and, you can't and like just. You, I like what you said about saying their name because sometimes people think that's a weird. They might feel weird doing it. Yeah. But you get a much different. Like if someone introduces themselves to you and they're like, "Hey, my name's Mary." And you're like, oh, Mary, it's great to meet you. And then you go to coach them. Hey, Mary, when you're doing that goblet squat, one, they're like, oh, my God, that person, they remembered my name immediately. And it gets them to pay attention. Whereas if you just 
go, hey, or to them, all of a sudden that <laughs> you, name's out of your head. You over and, there. And, and their first thought is that person fucking forgot my name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, like, I think it's a really good technique that you use because it signals to them actively that you listened. I listened. And it solidifies the name in your own head. Right. And I cared enough to actively use it and remember it. Uh, and now that's just one of the very few things in How to Win Friends and Influence People. And the other book I'd recommend is Never Lose a Customer Again by Joe Coleman. And I believe it was Mark Fisher who recommended me this book. It, it's, it's the modern day version of How to Win Friends and Influence People. So How to Win Friends and Influence People was written in the 30s and it is still very applicable. Uh, but never lose a customer again is for the modern day, like how to use YouTube, how to how to use the modern day technology and tools that we have to create an incredible customer experience. Um, and so the thing, uh, the other thing, when I heard you talking about uh, going around and taking people's temperature, is there's this huge thing on HRV, right? And you know the you know the research much better than I do. Um, so this is probably a softball for you, but they've shown that if you just ask people, how you feel? Are you sore from last workout? How'd you sleep? What's going on in your life? That's, I mean, that, that's a, when I, I connect with my clients, I try to connect every three to five days mm -hmm. with my clients. It's a simple text or an email. How are you feeling? Question mark. It is, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be this. You don't have to make a template. It doesn't have to be this. You no. just have to talk to people. You just have to ask them questions. And I know, I believe it was a Patrick Ward seminar, right? That you went to. Yeah, subjective questionnaire. Yeah, well, subjective questionnaire is like probably one of the most accurate um, approaches you can have for daily readiness monitoring. Mm -hmm. And it, the five questions they used in the research was like, um, how much energy do you have today from one to five? How sore are you today from one to five? Um, how well did you sleep last night from one to five? Um, and, and there was five, it was a five question survey, yeah. right? Which is really just you talking to your clients. Yeah, normal everyday you conversation. You give them a formal questionnaire. Yeah. But like once you develop a relationship, people are much more honest with you. And if you consistently ask the same questions, you're going to tell when you have an outlier um, just about how they respond. And so consistently checking in, like I go up and down the line, there's right when I take my 645 group, I go, we, they all line up in a circle as much as I hate it. I want them in lines, they go in circles. So I go around the circle and I check in with everybody. Hey, how you doing today? How you feeling? Ask them about if it's Monday, I typically know what they do for the weekend. I ask about their weekend, Get it gives me an idea and I go around. And from there, I can make decisions. Oh, hey, you're sore, you skied all weekend. Like I had a client who, snowshoed a ton they were like amped that it snowed and they're like i'm really sore like my back is sore so i was like okay we had deadlifts today i was like why don't we go single leg deadlift why don't we do some cat camel get your spine moving mainly just because i talked to them about their snowshoeing um <laughs> you know i didn't need yeah. their hrv i didn't really need them to go into all detail about you know their history but i, I you're able to figure out right. by having a conversation i mean that's not to, and, that's not to so, say that stuff's not useful it can be useful no but don't forget to just ask and just talk to people. Um, it can be that you're a person first. It can be yes, and you're a that's person the first. problem in therapy and in training is um, you realize the person that you're treating is a person, and you're a person. There should be an interpersonal connection rather than me being like, okay, in my textbook it said this, or the latest research study 
said this. And I'm like, well, there's a person right in front of you. So why don't you just you know, look at that person and yeah. talk to them rather than going through the Rolodex in your head? Um, because typically if you lead with a little empathy and you listen to them, you're probably going to get the right answers um, along the way. The biggest thing that I, I'm just recognizing about this conversation, but also the one we had our our second podcast on Sunday is none of these things cost any money. It's it's just pure effort. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't need. Wait, I can't buy empathy. No, and there's no app, right? <laughs> there's no app that everybody asks me for a CRM, right? A customer customer relation management system. Uh, email and text messages. I don't, I don't know why we need to have another app uh, to do that. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as me. And then, like we said, I don't need a readiness questionnaire that they need to fill out when they get to the gym. I just, I, when they come in, I say, how are you feeling? What, what's going on? Are you sore from yesterday? What, is there anything you want to do today that you haven't done? Like, how'd you sleep last night? Like, it, it, I'm a, I'm a fan. I mean, I might, I'm not a huge fan of technology. I'm probably, uh, I swing the pendulum. You're Gronk. I'm Gronk. I swing the pendulum probably too far the other way, uh, but I, I, it has to be selectively used. It can't make every decision that you that you do in the gym that day. No. Uh, well, I actually heard Harold Gibbons had a good quote. I uh, retweeted the other day where he said. Using data just for the sake of data is just another form of pornography. <laughs> um, and I like that because it's true. Like some people like they they like get off on as much tech and data as they can, but it honestly probably causes them more stress and anxiety and doesn't help them make better decisions. Right. Um, it's just more data, right? We're already in this like information overload age, right? Mm-hmm. Like it- you can get all your internal data off a bunch of different apps on your phone um, and you can be paralyzed by what it tells you, um, but it might not actually make your training any better, and it could probably actually make it worse. So being Data's able to understand amazing. where it's valuable and where it's not valuable is important. Data is incredible depending on how you use it, right? Like, does it allow you to make a better decision, yes or no? That's what it comes down to. Like, an Apple Watch is great, but if it doesn't make me change my habits, it's just a watch. Fitbit mm-hmm. is great. But if it doesn't make me change my sleep habits, my exercise habits, how many steps I get in per day, it's just a watch, right? It's a great awareness tool, but it doesn't create a plan for you, right? It doesn't give you instructions. No. It doesn't give you modifications. It doesn't give you any connection. That's that's what we do. That is why we're here and the, why I am not afraid of any watch or any piece of equipment or any app at whatsoever. Mm-hmm. The thing I'm most afraid of is the person who finds a pill that you can take once a day that's 30 minutes of exercise. That's what I'm afraid of, is them finding a pill. But I don't think that'll happen in our lifetime. So Yeah, or until Elon Musk creates a yeah. uh, humanoid robot yes. that's a replica of you. That just exercises and just takes you, all your clients. you. Yeah. And and has your personality too. <laughs> yeah, and you can just import, because... import your brain into the robot. Yeah, I mean that's I'm yeah. hopefully gonna be gone by then. That's <laughs> well, it's funny. So I had a conversation with uh, a client. We have this older couple that's been coming to the gym for a long time. And um, they hadn't been in for a while um, because of COVID. And they just came back. And uh, the, the, the lady had had a knee replacement. And I was working with her in the clinic. She trains with um, one of our 
coach is out in the gym and I just checked in with her. I'm like, hi, you know, like, how you been? How are you feeling? You guys feeling good? Like, what's going on? And she was like, you know what? We feel great. It's been great to be back working out. Like, the workouts have been awesome. But the real reason we came back to keep coming here is because everyone is so friendly and everybody's so nice here. Um, and that really stuck with me because... I mean, these people are of good means. They could go anywhere to train. They drive all the way up from Boston. Like they they probably pass a hundred gyms between their uh, condo and our house. I mean, in our gym rather, but they choose to come here so much so that like when COVID was really bad, um, they wanted to come back when we were like reopened, when Omicron like went through the roof and their coach was like, Hey, it's really busy in here at this time. I just don't know if it's a good idea for you to come in. I just want to warn you. Um, and so much so that they just came not to work out because they didn't want to be in the gym with 100 people, but they would go sit in the office and talk to Carrie, like who's our manager, who like does all the client relations and everything in the office. And they just sat and would talk to her for an hour and then leave because it was just part of their routine. Yeah. And so, uh, again, it speaks to the power of relationships to create a long-term sustainable business. Um, you can't build that off of Instagram posts. You can't build that off of social media personality. You can't build it off an app. But if you want to run a brick and mortar business and you want to be a trainer for a long time, it really speaks back to relationships. And when I look at people like Mike and Bob, I think a large strength of our business in our local community, the North Shore, Massachusetts and Boston area is due to their lifetime of relationships in those areas. They they know people from back in the day who referred someone else, who referred someone else, who referred someone else. It's like the six degrees of Mike Boyle and Bob Hansen yeah. uh, in the gym all the time because they have all these really strong relationships, which speaks to why the business has, I think, been so sustainable um, down the line. Yeah, the, the people who are going to come into your gym live within a five-mile radius, generally within a five-mile radius of where you are. Mm -hmm. So that means most of your marketing should be within a five mile radius, which if I'm making memes and Instagram posts and Twitter posts, I'm not usually, I'm not most likely grabbing five people within five miles of my radius. That the number one thing that we do here at Train Smarter and Harder, and which is why we're so busy is Yelp and Google, Google business. That Those are the two search engines people use to find things nearby. So those are where we put all of our mm -hmm. energy into. Nobody has ever walked in here because of an Instagram post or a tweet that I made or a comment that I made on somebody else's post. They came in because they found us on a search engine. So maybe they looked at our Instagram and YouTube page to see what we're about, but they didn't get there without going to Instagram or going to Yelp and Google first. Then the other thing is we just got out into the community. And the first client I ever had here was my AT&T guy and his kids. <laughs> so AT&T came to put in our Wi-Fi, set up our internet. He said, oh, welcome to the area. I've been here 20 years, but I said, oh, wow, really? Like I'm opening a gym in the area. Do you know anybody? He's, oh, I got my daughter plays softball at the high school nearby. My son's on the football team. He goes, what do you charge? And I said, oh, that's what I charge. There we go. I gave him a f his first month free. I do. I did a ton of free in the beginning. I don't know why there's this thing is like you shouldn't give away anything free. When you don't have anybody to train and you're sitting in your gym twiddling your thumbs, keep yourself busy by giving away free. I gave away 30 free 
personal training sessions. So I gave away 30. Two of them didn't show up. Okay, so that's going to happen. Uh, everybody else, one of them came and then didn't sign up afterwards. The other 27 all became clients. Uh, I would say five of them are still training here. Five of them were just athletes who come and go. And then the other 10, we ran 10 or 15, we ran our course. But now, now I charge $25 for my first session because I'm so busy. I don't need to do free sessions anymore. But the best thing you can do is just talk to people in your area. <laughs> so my AT&T mm -hmm. guy, uh, Jenny goes to jujitsu and in the nearby, there's two jujitsu places. She goes to the one that's closest to our house. She just asked, she said, Hey, can I run the warm up today and tell people about our gym? There you go. She, she ran the warm up and we got two people, three people that come from jujitsu now who are our paying clients. So we just got out in the community, told people about what we're doing. Oh, my, I told my second client was my solar person, my solar guy. <laughs> he came in, he was a big bodybuilder. And I said, Oh man, you lift weights. I said, do you know anybody who would be interested in personal training? And he goes, oh, man, my elbow right here has been killing me. I have really bad <laughs> golfer's elbow. And I said, oh, my, I'm a, I'm a sports massage therapist. And he goes, no way. He goes, well, let's do a session. So then my second client. So it was my solar, my solar salesman. Um, but, yeah, it, it's as simple as talking to the people in your area. Like community is such a big thing in getting out there and just – participating the best thing i ever did so i've rebuilt my personal training business twice the first time i moved to california i lived in san francisco that was eight years ago i rebuilt my whole business and then i moved an hour and a half east where i bought a home and i rebuilt my whole business again over the last two years and it's been the same thing i got out there i met new people i went and met a bunch of chiropractors and personal trainers my good friend charlie reed who's a trainer in San Francisco is like, Hey, I got a couple clients that I can't work with. Uh, you want you interested? I said, yeah. So that was my first client. And then I met his very good friend. Who's a chiropractor, Michael Lord. And him and I became great friends. Uh, I actually work for his brother now <laughs> at a healthcare company. Uh, and so Michael is like, Hey, I got, I got a couple clients with bad backs, bad knees, bad shoulders. Do you want to train them? And I said, absolutely. So then, Within six months, I I had a full client list, all because of two people. It's the uh, the book. Uh, is it raving fans? Right. You can you can mm -hmm. connect almost all your people to just a few certain clients or certain interactions. And all I did was reach mm -hmm. out to Charlie and say, "Hey, I'm moving to the area. What's going on? I need a place to train." That was it. Um, and it, it wasn't an Instagram post that I made. It wasn't. I didn't tweet to tell everybody it was a connection that I made with somebody. Um, and so if you're listening to this and you are like a tra trainer at a brick and mortar, the two big things I just took away from what you said were number one, if you're going to invest in anything um, from a technology, technology marketing and advertising standpoint, get, get your search engine optimization. Yes. Down, 100%. Um, and get, and get like your Google page and your Yelp, because that's how one finds us. If you Google, uh, massage therapy, rehab, sports massage therapy, and you're in like the North Shore area, movement is medicine is always at the top. Yep. Because that's the one thing I invested in with search engine optimization. Mm -hmm. Number two, go out and talk to people. Um, and that's something that, again, younger generations might not be as comfortable with. 
But one, I'm certain, like you said, giving away something for free. I'm certain if I can get someone in the gym to train with me, I'm like, I got it. Yeah. Yep. They're gonna they're gonna come. Whether the whether they're with me as a personal training client, in a group, in a therapy session, in, in ma'am, whatever it might be, I know like once I get them in, I can they're gonna keep coming. I'm confident enough now to know that. And it's just a matter of having the conversation with them, identifying what makes them tick. And seeing if I honestly have a solution for them. And if I don't, can I refer them to someone else? Because then, you know what? They might come back later and be like, hey, you know, I went and saw that PT you sent me to. Mm-hmm. I want to come back and train. And that's happened to me. And so I talked to um, at our Middleton facility. Um, that's our second facility. It's about 30 minutes, 25, 30 minutes north of our main facility in Woburn. Um, it's not as busy of a, a personal training location. Um, lots of groups. There is personal training there. But it's just not as busy from morning to night um, with one-on-one training as Woburn is. But it gets way more foot traffic, like a thousand times more foot traffic. If you've ever been to our Woburn facility, we're at the end of a dead-end road in Industrial Park, and the GPS doesn't even make it to the gym. If you put in 29 Draper Street, it stops like two buildings before. The Uber's always like up the street or like the delivery guys like up the street. Um, So if you make it to the gym, you're trying to get there. But there's no walker by foot traffic. There's no other businesses. It's an industrial park. It's like a construction business next to us and a, a machine shop across from us. It's not a place where people are like getting a coffee or getting something to eat and walking around. Whereas in Middleton, it's attached to a sports facility. So there's three full sheets of hockey, a hockey rink. There's three full sheets of ice there. There's an indoor soccer and basketball court full size. There's a Dunkin' Donuts. There's a pizza place. There's a physical therapist. There's everything in that facility. And there's constantly parents of hockey players coming in and out, walking by the door. Um, so I said to the, the staff that was up there, I said, you have no reason not to have a bunch of leads being up here. You could legitimately all day long, if on the weekends, 100% all day long, on weekdays, sometimes during the day, but always from like 2.30 on, it's packed. Uh, with with there's no ice time available. I said you could set up a table with the MBSC tablecloth. You could put up a sign that says "Ask me a question about fitness." Yeah, I've done that before. Um, it's amazing could, what people will ask you. And put your business card. We have these little cards we give out that are one free personal training session, mm. right? You go and say, "Come up, talk to me. I'll give you a free training session." Everybody has a question. Hey, uh, should I eat low carb? Um, how do you get rid of this thing under my? <laughs> um, you know, um, you know. How, how do I get long, lean muscles? The typical questions you're going to get, whatever. Take them. Make them feel good about asking it. Don't yeah. make them feel like an idiot. And then talk to them about what we do and how we could help them. And I guarantee you, you'll get people in the door. And then when they go in the facility and they realize that you're nice, you're affable, people are friendly, it's not that intimidating, and and they have a good training experience technically – they're going to, I'm almost certain they're going to become a client at some level, whether it's personal training or group training. Or sending their kids, right? Parents parents are the yes. ones who pay for their kids. So I hear a lot of people saying, like, how do I sell no more athletes? I said, you got to sell the parents. The parents pay mm-hmm. for the kids to train. Like, the kids could be excited. And they're all sitting there. Yeah, the kids can be excited to train. Dunkin' Donuts in the lobby. Yeah. You, you know what they said? I, I can't remember what the book, the reference is. I remember Mike telling me. Women make um, about ninety percent of all. It's paradox. Decisions. The paradox of choice. It's women make yep. women and make eighty so, percent of the buying decisions in a relationship. Yeah, and so 
there's all these mothers just sitting out there talking while their kids are skating, uh, just standing around. And I'm like, that those are people you can talk to. They're the it's ones that are probably going to sign the kids up for training. It's opportunity. And if you're out there just hanging out, like they're probably going to come talk to you because they do this three days a week. They sit out here for an hour and a half and wait for the kid to get off the ice. And so they could be using that same exact time to come train with you. Yeah. And so there's no reason, but we have to be comfortable selling people. It's interesting in that I, I think with some of our coaches, they get comfortable because it's not like if you had to work at a Gold's mm. or some big box gym, you got to go out on the floor and sell. And for those of you listening to this that have never had to do that, it's not a great time to be like, hey, uh, I was just watching your bench press and uh, <laughs> I got some tips for you. And yeah. someone's going to be like, ah, grow, screw yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you're in a really unique position when you're talking to someone outside of the gym. Um, who's just like waiting for their kid because you seem like a professional uh, resource and they're not, you, they don't feel like you're threatening them. They, you don't feel like that you're critiquing them. They just want to come and ask you a question and, and talk. And so um, things like that can go a really, really long way or going to community days. I've gone to Andover Town Day and Winchester <laughs> Town Day and yep. Woburn Town Day, more days than you can count. And I've got clients with Lululemon. Before I was an ambassador, I used to do these free workouts on, they have a turf area outside the Lululemon and Linfield that I, I'm an ambassador for. Before I was an ambassador, they'd be like, hey, you want to do free workouts? And so on Thursdays, I would load up a bunch of kettlebells, a bunch of med balls, a bunch of rollers, a bunch of bands, uh, all this shit in the back of my truck. And I'd drive up there, do it for free. I'd, I'd probably get a t-shirt out of it or something at that time before I was an ambassador and I do workouts for free for all the people that were just up in Linfield at the marketplace. They'd pop in and work out. I've gotten probably, I think six clients that are long-term clients through that experience for me, just putting that time in training them for an hour, 45 minutes or so, and just answering their questions. And, um, so you've got to put in a little bit of groundwork. People don't just walk through the door and be like, Oh, this is a gym. Please take my money and train me. <laughs> They, uh, they, they, but if you develop a relationship with them and give them something, like you said, a free session or information or just a little bit of your time, uh, the chances that you're going to convert them to a paying client long-term are, are pretty high. I couldn't say it any better. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, and, and then, so kind of going, you said connection oh. was the number one and what were yeah. two and three? Two and three were instruction. And modification. Actually, I want to go back for a second because I remember what I was going to say. I did a I did a stop in twenty podcast with Anthony Renna on the book to sell mm -hmm. as human. I think I still think. I mean, I did this podcast five years ago. We need to reframe sales, right? So we're all in sales, whether you like it or not. We are, every time you write an email, you are selling something. Okay. Every time I ask my daughter to brush her teeth, I am persuading her. I am selling her on why it's important to sell her to brush her teeth. You, we are all in sales. So get over it. It's fine. You're gonna have to talk. If you just talk to people and let them ask questions, there's no, if, if you say like the whole, ask me a question thing, there's no sales in that. If I just, I'm just helping you. If I help you and it leads to a sale, was it sales? Yeah, it was sales. You just didn't call it sales. <laughs> so to sell is a human thing. It's just talking. It's just questioning. It's now if I have a if I go into a meeting with a agenda, right? That is that is selling, right? If I have a if I have an agenda that is very aggressive, 
Just ask a couple questions. Just how can I help you? What can I do for you? That's sales. Whether you like it or not, we are all in it. You are all a business. We are a business. You're a business. I'm a business. We are all in business for ourselves. We just need to reframe sales. That's what I wanted to say about that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think a lot of people think of sales as being this Machiavellian thing where someone's trying to take advantage of another right, person. Right. But like, if you actually think you have a quality service you can provide someone and you're giving it to them at a fair rate, then that's an exchange that they want to make, yeah. right? They're willing to give you that money for that hour because they think they get something that is equal to or greater out of that. Right. And if you feel good about what you do, you should never feel bad about selling your services. In fact, you should feel good about selling your services because you're giving them something that is very viable to them. Um, and, and yeah, you should never think, look at it, look at it as a dirty word. No, no. Uh, and instruction and modification were the other two words in that article that I said, an, an app, uh, Peloton can, it, they can provide you instruction, right? But they can't provide you instruction specific to what your needs and goals are. So the first things I always ask, as I say, what are your goals? What's your previous injury history? And what access or what equipment access do you have, right? Because that will dictate 99.9% .9 of my program. So what are your goals? Where are you currently at? And what equipment do you have access to? Okay. Mm -hmm. That's going to dictate most of my programming. The problem with apps and, and machines and all is it doesn't, you can't input my shoulder hurts today. I slept like shit last night. That right. So that, and then the modifications, yeah, like all the algorithms this, in the world can't no, account for that. When, when I do this exercise, it hurts my back, even though it's programmed. <laughs> so I must have to do it. So that's where, again, these apps, these machines, they can do a decent job, but they're still missing that, right? They can give you a good experience. I don't want good. I'm going for amazing. And when you're amazing, you can charge amazing, right? So that's why a Peloton mm -hmm. uh, membership is $49. That's why I charge $100 an hour in my garage, <laughs> right? That's yeah. the difference. Yeah. And, and people see the value and they're willing to pay for it. Now, can I help as many people as Peloton? Maybe not. Maybe yes. I don't know. Right. So, yeah, you could make the case. But that you can probably go deeper. Right. They can go wider. Yes. And so, like, I think about my best clients I have, the ones that they're not the best because they're the most fit, not the best because, like, they really love training, but best in that they are consistent. Yep. They pay and that we have a strong connection. And they're my best clients um, because I think I've had we have the best relationship we've had the deepest conversation so you talked about you know the questions you that you ask and um how an app can't recreate um those communication experiences that you have and i think about like for instance i have a client who is mulling over getting a knee surgery and she has a physical therapist who i've communicated with and a surgeon who's communicated with them and we talked a lot about you know like is it wise for you to go get this knee surgery done she's can do all the things she wants to do 
Um, she doesn't have pain on a daily basis, but the surgeon was like, well, you don't have full range of motion. And I said, well, you need to, I had a long conversation with her about, you know, like you need to think, what are the things that are important to you on a daily basis? You like to hike, you like to exercise, you like to go for walks. Um, you like to be able to travel. Can you do all those things unencumbered on a daily basis? Right. Mm -hmm. Do you have pain on a daily basis? So like I'm having a much more, um, active conversation with her about her training experience and about her long-term goals and expectations, both with training and with a possible orthopedic intervention. And so that is not something that can be recreated by an app that just says, Hey, does my knee hurt today? Okay. And then the algorithm gives you hip dominant right. exercise, uh, you know, like, and so, well, because they're coming to you as a resource and you need to be able to serve as that resource. And so, um, they, you can't ask you know, the, an app can't ask about your expectations, right. your desired outcomes, your previous history and all these other things in a way that an individual can empathize and then, you know, kind of volley back and forth in a conversation. Really what a, what an app and a machine can't do is ask why, right? So it can ask you the question, did you sleep enough last night or how did you sleep one out of five? And you say a four or a three. And you say, why wasn't it a five? The app can't ask the app. I mean, it could ask you that, but it won't be able to do anything with that information. That has to come from a legitimate intellectual relationship and conversation with that person, right? So why did you sleep at a two last night out of five? Well, blah, 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 blah. Oh, well, did you think about this? Or like, oh, maybe you, sh you, sh you might want to go see a doctor about that, right? Uh, so yeah, the, the, the reason why I think we will not go anywhere and we will have jobs till the end of time until Elon Musk finds that pill or that robot that can do the exercise for you is connection, instruction and modification. And there is no computer or algorithm out there yet, at least that is going to take that away. Um, and people are going to. I think even more so as we keep coming out of this pandemic, especially the connection piece. We Again, like you said, Starbucks wants to be your third home. My, I want the gym here. I want this to be people in the town of Brentwood, not anywhere else. In the town of Brentwood that I am in, the community I'm in, I want to become everybody's third home. That is the goal. Bingo. Nailed it. End it there. Good job, Brendan. Boom. Yeah, no, that's good. So let's, um, I mean, that was really good. We just flew through an hour on that and that was uh, really enjoyable for me uh, to listen to as well. Um, so kind of getting into our book club yes. recommendation, which we want to make this a, a weekly segment where we kind of throw a book recommendation your way. That's probably one of the most popular questions I know that Brendan and I get on a weekly basis is what book should I read? So try to um, give you some references here. So my book recommendation is spring chicken uh stay young forever or die trying and it's by bill gifford and this was a book that was originally recommended to me uh by dan john i think he referenced it in one of his talks yeah. and bill gifford's a writer he's not like a fitness person and he got intrigued about like the science between but behind like anti-aging or increasing health span uh as opposed to lifespan like as you get older and he kind of dives into the research and the practical application on how to stay healthier and, and uh, more fit and live longer 
um, in in his book, and I enjoyed it because it goes into the science, but not so much that the lay person can't read it. You don't need to have like a kinesiology degree or a science degree to understand it. And there's some humor um, because this is like a regular middle-aged guy kind of going into the, the research and and um, applying some of it. So it's it's a enjoyable read. I flew, I flew through it and I actually refer back to it a lot. And there's a lot of really, really good uh, applicable stuff in there. They do a lot of stuff on blue zones too, if anyone's familiar with blue zones. Yep. Those are where... I think it's centarians, right? They where they live. There's like six hot spots in the world where the average mm-hmm. life expectancy is 100 years old. I think he gets a lot, yeah, into that. I, I love that book. Um, yeah, he dives into the blue zone the blue stuff zones, a lot. Yeah. So I already recommended "Never Lose a Customer Again" by Joel Coleman. Uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People and To Sell as Human is by Daniel Pink. So if you need business books, those three are a phenomenal place to start. My training recommendations or book book club is going to be Go Wild by John Rady. And Go Wild goes into the goat, the goat, the biophilia, which is based is our connection to nature because we evolved over however many millions of years with nature. So many of the things we have currently an experience are because we evolved with nature and he goes into the science and then he goes into the like how to get that back kind of thing because we've lost touch with nature due to the modernization of of everything Um, and he also wrote the book spark which is another great book which is about exercise in the brain and how exercise opens the window for opportunity uh for learning that I love the, the the way the book begins is there's two schools and there's the, a school in Japan that always wins the math contest. They always win every year. So he thought like, okay, I'm going to use exercise as a way to try to beat the Japan national math team. And what he does is he has a group, he has two, he has a control group and an exercise group. He has the exercise group work out every morning before their math class. So they go from working out to math class. Then he has a control group that doesn't work out and does the math class. And then he has another group that they do math class, but then work out later in the day. And he found that working out in the morning and then or exercising and then taking your hardest class of the day, which was math, drastically increased everybody's math scores. And eventually their math team at this tiny little school in California ends up winning the competition and beating the Japanese math team. And one of their strategies, not the only strategy, all right, one of their strategies was to exercise before they did their hardest math problems or their math sessions, which... Right. Who, yeah, there's some great stuff in that book. That, yeah, that's on one the, example. Uh, but that connection between that example, physical activity, me. that was like hook line. And, and yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, if you know any kid who kind of has ADD type symptoms and can't sit still, um, it's pretty obvious that activity changes the way that they're able to maintain yep. their attention and learn and uh, integrate information. Uh, and that goes back to last and... week's recommendation, smart moves. There's a whole section in smart moves how mm-hmm. 
physical activity and movement increase focus for learning. So, uh, yeah, those are my two books, Go Wild and Spark by John Rady. Yeah. Two of my favorites. Um, awesome. So, um, you know, in, in closing here, we'll kind of talk about what we have coming up mm -hmm. uh, on the horizon here. Um, we got uh, Brendan's going to be teaching a CFSC level one on February 20th um, with Strength Faction. We have a combo event with our friends, uh, Chris, Todd, and Mike over at Strength Faction. It's going to be in Niles, Illinois. So on February 19th, they have their Strength Faction event, yep. their program design university. And then on February 20th, Brendan is going to be teaching a level one in Niles, Illinois. Jenny will be there as well. And then the week after I'm teaching in Los Gatos, which is in San Jose, California, uh, uh, on the 27th, I believe I'll be teaching another level one. Mm -hmm. So those are the two back things I have weeks. coming up and you, you are much busier than me, my friend. <laughs> well, okay. So this weekend, actually, um, I'm going to be heading to speak at the raise the bar conference in Orlando, Florida. It's taking place friday saturday and sunday uh the week that you're hearing this um so you know if you hear this on wednesday or thursday it's not going to be too late to sign up because you can <laughs> attend in person in orlando or you can live stream and get access to the recordings so um it's a really good lineup i mean it is a stacked lineup of people they have three full days of speakers it's put on by nick lamb and derek mendoza mendoza so if you go to sleepcoachcourse.com um, I think you can find the Raise the Bar registration or you just Google Raise the Bar Conference. It'll come up. Um, so speaking there this weekend, and then we have the MBSC Winter Seminar coming up February 26th and 27th at Mike Boyle Strength Conditioning in Woburn, Mass. Um, also available via live stream if you can't intend in per attend in person. Uh, we have great guest speakers, including Les Spellman, Nicole Rodriguez, MBSC alumni, might I add. Um, and Mark Fitzgerald as our guest speakers, in addition to, of course, Mike Boyle, myself, Stephen Bigelow, Dan McGinley, and Vinny Taluda. So two full days of speakers there. Um, so that'll be a great weekend as well. Did you well, mention that it was uh, at the gym. virtual? Sorry, I didn't hear that. Yeah, oh. virtual. Yeah, yeah, we're going to be live streaming it as well. Live stream so as could, well, yeah. You could, if you can't be there in person, you can watch it live and they'll have, you'll have access to the recordings. Yep. And then February 17th, I have a CFSE Happy Hour Instagram Live with Megan Pomerensky, um, our friend from uh, north of the border up in Canada. One of the first CFSEs I ever did. I think the first international CFSE I ever did. Winnipeg. In Winnipeg. Yep. In the yep. middle after of I winter. Sat two hours. In the middle of winter. Yeah, after I sat, I sat for two hours in customs as they questioned <laughs> me. I went through all my things. Uh, uh, but yeah. I finally made it over. Uh, note to anybody listening, if you're not going to get a speaking visa or you're not going to uh, go on a work visa to Canada, do not go to Winnipeg for two days in January and tell them you're yeah. on vacation. Or, Customs officials, uh, figure that one out real or quick. Or Edmonton. I'm not allowed in Edmonton, <laughs> yeah. Canada for 20 years without, uh, without papers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, definitely, Megan is awesome. So if you have time to tune into that. On February 17th, she's a great physical therapist. Uh, been doing this for a long time, so and she's fun to talk to. So we'll do a CFSC happy hour. I think we're going to do 7 p.m. Eastern time that uh, that Thursday night. I, so, um, I, yeah. I will uh, know. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. That everything we just spoke about will be in the show notes with links. The other thing that I never mentioned that I did mention in the first version of this is at MBSC when I started, Nicole Rodriguez – 11 years ago, gave me an over-delivery checklist. So this checklist must be, God, 15 years old. I don't know who gave it to her, but 
on that checklist, it takes you from the beginning of your first introduction with that client all the way to all the things that you should do after your training session in order to deliver an amazing experience. And it is still very, very relevant today, that checklist. So I've included that in the show notes. There's a, a link to Google Doc with that so you can download that. We have links to all the books, links to the article that we were speaking about, the uh, I'm a personal trainer and I'm not afraid of, and all of the books that we referenced as well. So check those out in the show notes. And our contact information is in there as well. Yeah, so awesome. Well, uh, this was a good second episode on our second try, Brendan. All right. So uh, thank you all for listening. And I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Kevin. Talk to you later.